Welcome to our podcast, A Real World Discovery of Guest Experience in the Hospitality and Lodging Industry, uncovering a mixture of technologies and human-driven initiatives that are raising guest expectations and forever changing the guest experience across the hospitality and lodging sector. If you are interested or involved in the travel industry and are passionate about creating unique guest experiences, join us as we talk to experts in the industry to learn about the future trends and how you can set yourself apart from the competition in 2021 and beyond. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of the Guest X podcast, where we encourage you to build a guest experience worth talking about. And I've got my co-host, Brian Hamali with me, and I'm, my name's Matthew Loney, and we appreciate you joining us. Brian, how you doing? I'm doing really good this morning. It's a beautiful day here in Orlando, Florida. So ready to get started with this awesome podcast. Yeah, no, it's, uh, you know, speaking of Orlando, probably nothing against our all of our other guests, but, you know, certainly from a size standpoint, last week, probably one of the biggest guests we've had on, Brendan Richmond, who's with Universal Orlando Resort, one of, I would say, one of the premier amusement parks in in the country they've also got resorts they they've got shopping i mean they they've got it all but also a group that's just really dedicated and really focused on guest experience so it was really really cool to talk with them and you know the thing that jumped out at me was and we've talked about this i just don't think we've we've talked about it in this way before but he kept going back to the north star right which is know where you're going know why, you know, know why you're going there and where you're headed, the direction you want to keep your company moving. And that if you do that and you stay true to it, and for them, guest experience is a big piece of that. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you. I mean, the chat last week was was pretty eye-opening. They have a very clear direction where they're going. They know exactly what the park is and, and all of the experiences that they build are supposed to accomplish. And, but at the bottom at the end of the day, the one thing that they focused the most on was their people. And, and I think he brought that up over and over and over again. It was all about the people. The people create the entire atmosphere around the parks. It's the people that create all of the entertainment. They design all of the rides. They basically start with their people. It's all about the training and who they're bringing in to actually create the experiences so that we can go to the parks and, and enjoy them. And Watching a company that is so big and has the ability to have so much technology and development, and they just have endless resources to be able to do anything that they want. But the number one thing they focused on was the people. And, and it speaks volumes because speaking to Brendan and knowing part of his team, it's true. They, they hire the best in class for everything that they do. So, you know, if, if there's one thing that you take a look at when you're building your companies, it is investing in your people. Those people are going to make your company successful. Yeah. And, you know, it was and it was truly, you know, you alluded to a number of the points you made, a truly holistic approach about their people in that it was, you know, it was the training. But he also he spent some time talking about how, you know, they they give them the freedom to think outside the box. And look, if you've ever been to Universal 
Orlando Resort. Like, there's some stuff. You know, speaking of of the two co of the two hosts here, the the least. You know, I'm very Type A, right? So the the I could never think of those things, right? But but he kind of he you know he talked about how part of the reason they come up they're able to come up with some great ideas is because they've created a culture where their employees understand that North star and then they have the freedom to really kind of go out and reach for it. And, and they're not always like, Oh, Oh, no, you know, trying to draw boundaries around everything. And I'm not saying that you like, you can't just, everybody just can't be out there. You know, not everybody's the CEO of the company, but hire great people and let them do what they do. And I think a lot of people, you know, can sometimes I've been guilty of it. You hire great people and then you want to tell them how to do it. And I think what Brendan really talked about is that's part of their culture is, you know, is letting them, letting them go out and, and achieve the ultimate vision for universal. Yeah. I think, you know, one of the great examples that he gave was giving the ability of the, to, to the creative team to be creative and then also bring in all of their operators and their salespeople into one room and discuss those creative think that think creative thinking process and also get all of the feedback from the rest of the team and work in collaboration. And so I think that every every department almost has the freedom to do what they want, but at the end of the day, they have that North Star that they've got to achieve. So they're all working toward the same goal. That in effect makes you successful. You, more easily said, easily said than done, right? I mean, it's uh, very, very, very impressive. Okay, well, onward and upward. Got a great guest this week and just really excited about this week's podcast. On today's episode, we're talking to Jeff Hamali. Jeff is a founding partner and head of education and innovation at the Modern Elder Academy. Prior to that Modern Elder Academy, Jeff was a partner at Second Muse, a board member at TechSoup Global, and the founding partner at launch.org. Hey, Matt. Hey, Jeff. Today, I am really excited about this conversation. Not only do we have a super special guest on the podcast, he's my brother. And so I've known him <laughs> my entire life. It's, it's a little bit of a, an orthodox conversation that we're going to have. But Jeff has an incredible background behind him. And I'll let him give us a little bit of a lowdown. Jeff, welcome to the podcast. I'm really excited to have you here. Thank you, Brian. This it is. It's a little bit surreal to be doing a work conversation with you and Matt. But you know what? Let's go for it. A so lot of background. Fun. Yeah, background, background, background. I'm I'm probably the least qualified person that you've had on this on this podcast <laughs> to be on this podcast. I'm uh, I come out of an innovation background. I was I've been doing sort of green business and innovation, sustainability kind of innovation work for the last. Well, actually, for the last 25 years, although I jumped about four years ago into hospitality and transformational travel and, and that kind of work, um, which we'll get more into. But yeah, my background, broadly speaking, is working with everyone from NASA to IKEA to Nike, you know, Walmart, all of these kinds of cats on how do they make their supply chains and their products more sustainable, which inevitably is kind of human and it's kind of uh, technological. So I'm a strange observer of, of this industry and I'm a strange engager of this industry, I guess. Which is really interesting but, because you have so yeah, much, yeah. Your, your background is so different and coming into the hospitality industry, you're gonna explain to us 
how that evolved into the use into using that background in hospitality. I think Matt, you were going to say something before we keep going. Yeah, yeah. Well, but 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 now I guess Jeff, you you kind of have gotten a little bit into hospitality. Maybe now on the on the on the outskirts with the Elder Academy, you know, with Chip Conley, I believe is a partner of yours in this venture. And, you know, and obviously Chip has a lot of the hospitality background. And, you know, perhaps you could describe for us, kind of give us a little bit about the Elder Academy and, and what you guys are trying to create there. Yeah, for sure. And actually, I have two partners. There's myself, obviously Chip Conley, who was who'd written a book about being a modern elder, and our third partner, Christine Sferber. Both of them come out of out of sort of deep hospitality roots. Christine has run operations on a variety of hotels and stuff like that. So she's run up, set up, kind of created hotel experiences. So you've got like two really wonky hospitality people and one non-hospitality person coming together. And and I guess you know, the Modern Elder Academy was definitely not my idea. As I said, I kind of came out of this innovation space. I was going down to Mexico to go and build a surf house. That's what I wanted to do, was to go and surf and do my thing. And a buddy of mine was like, hey, you need to go and see what Chip Conley's up to down in Baja. So I went and I turned up to this kind of, I guess it was like a have you guys heard of Esalen? It's this West Coast kind of retreat, spiritual retreat center where people go and they they have these big spiritual experiences. And they were kind of kicking around the idea of doing a, something for people in midlife that kind of felt like Esalen. And I arrived and it was completely not my thing. I'm just not interested in, I was not interested in any of that kind of stuff. I had a good week. I really enjoyed my time with the people there but I had pretty much just left and that was it. And the week after I was still in Baja, I get a call from them and they were like, look, we're, we're kind of struggling with the formula here. Do you want to jump in and help us facilitate and kind of be part of our team on a volunteer basis? So I just started volunteering. And what kind of emerged was there's just a simple conversation that's not being had at a social, at a societal level, right? And it goes something like this. In 1905, you'd have lived to around 55. That was your average age, okay? By 2005, depending on where you are demographically, you'll live to about 85. If you do the math from 20 to 50 and from 50 to 55 to 85, basically, midlife has doubled, okay? Adult life has doubled. That time that you are an adult has gone from 30 years to 60 years. And the real question is, gosh, how do we how do we deal with that? What do we do with that? You know, the decisions that you made as a 20-year-old that maybe brought you into this current field that you're in may not fit you as a 40-year-old, as a 50-year-old, as a 60-year-old. Where do you go to think about that, to repurpose yourself, to sort of reimagine yourself in midlife? Where do you have the space and the time? And it turns out that traditional education, right? Like sort of university style retraining and courses oftentimes doesn't make sense for people who've had a bag load of experience and life experience to think about how they transition, how they move to the next phase of their life. So that was the container we created as a team for the academy, which is like, how do you create a space for people to come together 
think about midlife, think about their transitions and reimagine midlife. I, I'm, I'm Matt, how old are you? 44. Okay. 44, yes, 44. I had to think about it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it gets that way. It gets that way. You know, I think you are right in our demographic. And I think a lot of people are, are looking at their lives and thinking, okay, what's next? They don't necessarily need a teacher. They don't necessarily need a course. They need time. They need space. You know, we're in the middle at this age between so our, our demographic at the academy goes from about 40 to about 75. That's the, that's the kind of the, the window of the folks that we're dealing with. People, people want to be in community. They want to be in discussion with each other and thinking about, okay, how do I take that next step? What do I want to be? What do I care about? What have I let go of as I've gotten older? You know, I have details on my brother, Brian, who used to be a phenomenal artist as a kid. Where is that in his life now, right? Where's that creativity gone? How is he expressing it? How might he reorganize his life to include more of that? So imagine a group of 20 people, 22 people coming together, having those discussions, having those prompts, but also kind of making friends with each other, having fun with each other. It's it's not a dry environment. You know, we're not a bunch of monks kind of thinking about the future. We're, <laughs> we're, we're having a glass of wine. We're watching the ocean. We're taking inspiring walks and, you know, just it's it's a blast. So that's the idea. You guys are creating a community. Yeah, which is yeah. evidently what most people are looking for right now. You know, as we start to look into different industries, it seems like people are trying to find a place to fit into, and especially when it comes to travel. You know, companies like Airbnb, their entire thought process is about building communities, uh, even down to exercise companies like Peloton and their communities, and having great success out of it. Is it that people are even willing to travel to find a sense or a place to be able to belong to, and then basically building an experience around all of that? And how do you do it? How, where do you start? So here's, here's one of the challenges is sometimes people don't know what they need or want, right? You're, you're sometimes addressing unmet and undiagnosed desire. Right. Someone will be like, let's say you've lost your job. You're you're a mid-career professional. You've lost your job and you're thinking, OK, I need to kind of find my next thing. So the, the in your head, you might be like, OK, I need to go to a place. I've found this modern elder academy thing. I need to go to a place where what they're going to do is give me a whole bunch of hacks and a whole bunch of tech and a whole bunch of ways of approaching getting my next job. Right. That might be what initially you think is going to be important. What actually ends up being important is connecting to yourself, understanding what the hell you care about so you can make better decisions for the next stage, and connecting to a group of people who are perhaps more closely aligned to you in terms of what they're thinking about, what they care about, making new friends and building community. So what's happened to us is what we sell what the kind of the hook, if you like, oftentimes has to be more tangible, more practical. But we know that what we're really delivering is community. Does that make sense? So if you started selling community, I think people would be like, yeah, I don't need that. I need, I've got my friends, I've got my family, I've got my thing. What I need is a job. 
Mm-hmm. You know what? That's that's fascinating because um, we we were talking right before we got on, and the com- you know the community this concept came up. Jeff, we were talking about Peloton, and I was just thinking to myself, you know, I don't have the Peloton uh, any of the. I have the app, but I don't have their their bike or their tread. But um, I know, I know my co-host Brian does. But you know, I was when you were saying that, I'm like, you're right because when when I first got the Peloton app, it was I need to get in shape. Right. I need to get in shape. I need some. So it was tangible. But now it's now that I'm in, I figured out that I really needed a community of people to have something to, you know, to go to go on a run with. And, you know, it brings me, Brian, to an idea we had a a while back at at Explory and we 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 just haven't gotten to the, you know, like like a lot of small upstart businesses. We haven't gotten all the way to it yet. But this concept of, you know, using the group like Blue Apron, maybe, mm-hmm. you know, on family trips and, cre- you know, creating a family taco night, right? Where you may be traveling because you just need to get away or this and that, but really what you may be needing to do is reconnect with your family, you know? And so how do we create an environment where that's easier? And so one of the thoughts we had was like family game night, you know, where you get Monopoly or you have these choices of games and we'll deliver them to the house and then you, you know, you can pick them up or you do, you know, family taco night where all the meals, you know, it's kind of prepared, but you still got to warm it all up. So you all sit around the kitchen and get to know each other again. But all of that is kind of about, you're right, selling them on, on one thing, not in a, not in a bait and switch type of way, but hey, here's what you can relate to. But here's where we're going to deliver. And I think, Jeff, to your point, the the result, if you do it well, is they come out the other end much more satisfied than if you had just given them what they thought they had bought, right? You gave them something Sorry. more now. Yeah. There's a, there's a couple of things I want to sort of bounce back on. Actually, there's three things, Matt, on what you just said. The first is, I don't know Blue Apron. Give me 12 seconds on it. Uh, it's uh, prepaid. Pre- uh, pre-prepared uh, meals that they show up at your okay. door in a cooler, you throw them in a grill and, you know, and then you've got a family meal all kind of prepared. So so you're thinking of using like one of those services as a, a way of getting people connected, right? They would cook the same meal and do the same things, even if they're virtual. Exactly. Even if they didn't ask to, it's kind of like, hey, if we give this to you, what the result is going to be that you guys all get together one night during the vacation when you don't go out to eat, you sit in the kitchen and maybe you talk to each other, right? And you have that family meal together. Yeah, that's cool. That's a really interesting idea. And, and we, we've done a lot of that kind of stuff. I'll, we'll talk later about, we, we actually have an alumni network. We have over 3,000 people that have kind of continue to get together and kind of become part of an ongoing community. I want to I want to just dig up something from the early days of the internet. It was uh, there was a company called The Well and it was one of the very first kind of internet kind of organizations. And they had this rubric, they had this thing that they came up with which was the three Cs. The first C was content. So like Peloton, you build content like us, you build content and that in turn, builds community, right? People are drawn to content. I had a buddy who was like very early on in the days of CrossFit. And that was, you know, that was very clearly like, 
hey, there's this content here that's going to help us get together, that we're going to learn how to do, that we're going to get fitter and stronger. And that was the hook. But actually, the content led community. And that's really what kept people there. So content brings people, community keeps people. And then the third C was commerce. A lot of us, we start these sort of online businesses or any kind of business, right? Thinking like, hey, what can I sell you? So you go commerce, community content. And it oftentimes works the other way around, right? Start with the content, build the community, then you build the commerce. People are going to want to get involved. They want to gonna buy your stuff. Just for the record, this guy that I'm, I was talking about, the early CrossFit guy, he started just giving away free mobility workouts. His name was Kelly Starrett, wrote a bunch of books. So he was getting people really engaged in his community around this content. He now sells shoes for Reebok. He, you know, co-branded with Reebok. He has all kinds of kind of, you know, back stretching tools and foot stretching tools and Christ knows what else. And that's how it worked. Content, community, commerce. So I think a great, a great, great sort of insight for, for anyone doing this type of work, trying to think about how to build community is... If you start with the product, you're likely not to get to community. If you start with content, if you start with thinking about what am I doing to bring people into community, you're more likely to succeed. That's very wow, interesting. That's, yeah. yeah, that is interesting because, you know, one of the things, Brian, we've talked about is that our industry struggles to really deliver, I think, good content. Right. Airbnb did, a, you know, has gotten Airbnb got a little bit better at it, you know, because they, you know, really was the first one to really deliver like great photography so you could picture yourself in the unit. But, but really, we still focus on the vacation rental or the hotel and hospitality as kind of the end goal mm -hmm. instead of saying, no, like what you're coming for, why don't I have great content on? you know, all the cool things to do in town and the great coffee shops and the great, you know, and build that content around where you're coming, it'll help you enjoy the community. And then therefore I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm probably going to buy. That's and the part of the reason behind that, Matt, is because we're not marketers. And so when, when we become vacation rental you know, property managers and possibly other, other sectors in the hospitality industry. We're coming in as business owners. Obviously, we're wearing multiple hats, but we're not true marketers. What we're trying to do is adapt. And the adapting isn't producing the content that we actually need to, to, to be able to deliver to the guest. And, and a lot of it has to do with the fact that we're actually not pre we, we don't know how to produce good content. It's not real content. If people were actually real about the content that they produce, platforms like TikTok, for example, or your Instagram Reels, the reason that those are performing well is because people aren't really pretending. They're actually producing content that they know about. They're excited to talk about. We just don't know how to translate that into our platforms as professionals. Mm. So imagine if you could almost hybrid it and you said to property managers, forget about being a professional at all. Go into the house and tell me the things that excite you about this house. Go into the community and tell me the things that you'd love about this community and talk to your potential guests. We don't have the platform that gives us the ability to talk that way to our guests. And you know, Brian, Jeff, um, go ahead. 
Uh, well, no, I was just going to ask, how do you guys, I mean, at the Elder Academy then, as you guys have, because, you know, you're really still in the throes of really building this, right, and developing it. So you've mm-hmm. obviously had conversations internally as you guys approach your content. You know, um, what are what are some of those filters through which you look for? I mean, I think Brian brings up a good one that's probably discussed internally there. Authentic. We hear a lot about building authentic content. But but tell us how you've how you've attacked content, because it's got to be really important to what you guys are building. Yeah. You know, um, and and what I was going to jump on what Brian said as well as culture, right? These two mm. things leave together, content and culture sort of stack on top of each other. So, for example, when people arrive at the academy, we now have a culture from people who've been back repeatedly, like three, four, five, six times. You introduce each other. People are friendly. People will come up to you and say hi. So, again, if you look at your sort of traditional hotel experience, you might arrive at a hotel, and other than the staff at front desk, no one says a word to you. Maybe, you know, if you've got good cleaning staff and good training in a hotel, people through the hotel might, might, might kind of be friendlier. But by and large, other guests are polite and then bounce. If people are hungry for community, hotels, hospitality, especially guest houses that are very isolated, right, are not a recipe for connecting to people in your location. You know, when people come to us, everyone, the team, ourselves, partners, there's people there the whole time and we're starting conversations. We are instantly in a conversation. I think authenticity, Matt, is definitely part of it. I think one of the ways we we sort of prime the pump is getting people into conversation. So in our business, it's like literally we start the week off by getting people in, in conversation, setting a culture of how do you share how do you share information? How do you talk to each other in a way that is, as you say, authentic, perhaps vulnerable? It doesn't have to be painful or a pity party, but at least say what's real, you know, what's going on with you right now. So creating a culture of sort of proper sharing, how do you listen to each other? How do you speak to each other and so on? These, these are things we explore. They're not things we force, right? There's not like a set of hard and fast rules. You must do this so much as like, we just have a good culture for people to interact and engage. And again, as I think of the sort of the holiday rental experience for myself, you go to a place and you are instantly isolated, right? How do I, how do I connect to a community? The, the dream of Airbnb was rent a house and live like the person that owns that house. You know, you live in that community. I remember one of the very first Airbnbs I ever did was in Copenhagen. And it was this incredible, it was just this incredible house. It's like a 16th century kind of wooden mad cottage. It was it was like something out of a movie. Went in, the owner had left me a whole bunch of like dough and pre-baked products that I could bake in the oven. And she turned up every day and she was like, Hey, you want to come and meet my cousin? Hey, do you want to come and take a walk? And it was the most incredible experience. I, I kind of saw Copenhagen through the eyes of a local. I met her friends, her family, all kinds of interesting people. Now I know that for most property managers and for most you know, holiday rental managers, that is just a step too far. But what would it be? How might you get people to start to think about how do I 
plug you into this community? What are the ways that I can help you connect at a human level? Because that's where your experience goes from being comfortable to transformational. And it's almost about connecting travelers with travelers at the moment. Oh, because yeah. those travelers, especially, you know, property managers, you have access to other travelers. Destinations like mine, I mean, Orlando, mm -hmm. there is really one purpose that people are coming to Orlando, and it's family. So if you could build a community around that, if you've got 30, 40, 100, 200 houses, you've instantly built yourself a community of guests that are coming, they're staying for the exact same purpose and looking to do the exact same thing that you are. They're going to Disney Universal. They're also looking for more localized things to do. When we created Guestbook, that was part of the aim, was to give guests access to other guests and find out, figure out what they're doing in the local area that might make their trip just that little bit more extra special. And so I, I think that's a simple way for us to build, start building communities, which is not going too far outside of your company, but having access to guests. To guest. And honestly, Brian, you know, unless you have bags and bags of money and you can bring your own nanny and bring your own staff to support you, getting into kind of high trust relationships with people who maybe have ratings, who maybe have sort of confidence ratings that you know, we hang out for a couple of days with the kids and then you, you babysit my kids, I'll babysit your kids. <laughs> we can go out, we can have fun. It's like, seriously, it's a nightmare otherwise. Holidays can be just a pain in the dick if you've got young children, right? Well, it, you know, I think about some of the, you know, hospitality segments that have been real successful. You know, you think of Disney's cruise line, Right. A little bit of that is about community. I mean, there aren't people on there without children. A lot of them want to be able to take their kids, you know, to a camp during the day on this cruise ship. But then you see a bunch of parents hanging out because, and Brian, you and I talked about this, they're all in that same stage in life. And I think this goes back to the Elder Academy, right? And why, you know, you guys are probably just seeing some of the success you're seeing, which is, you know, that segment, you know, whether it's, you know, 40 to 70. The last 18 months to two years with your company as your team, you have hired some incredible people, you know, and, and some of them have been on some big stages lately and have been recognized for the work that they're doing in the industry. Talk to us a little bit about the team that you've put together and, and the impact that that's had on the growth of the company, the ability to scale and just your confidence in your company's growth and the experience you can provide. Because for me, without building the right team, there's no way to scale. And, and you're doing that from that perspective, you're doing a phenomenal job. Well, I appreciate that comment. And I, you know, I couldn't agree more, right? Obviously, the, we're obviously in a position where we have a bit more resource. We were able to recruit larger teams of qualified people than your average single site brand right so right off the bat we're you know we're, we're positioned well from that perspective now it wasn't always that way right but it, it's that way now more hospitality people who've learned it on the top level to come into our industry and nurture these customers right mm -hmm. and and nurture these customers and feel them like welcome and we can handle this and that will be that will be so refreshing for us because you know you have operational issues and the point that you made 
you know, re reviews are twofold. One is that is related to your own guest experience service that you provide as a property manager, which is website, pay, pay payment, et cetera, et cetera. And then you have the, 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 the review that is related to the actual property. But look at it. Look at it. If we do an arbitrage on how much of the complaint is related to the actual property, which to what we said is sort of related more to the actual owner who has it because of bad paint, the kitchen is all this and that and the other. And cleanliness is, is then a, a factor of the property manager. And how much of the experience is related to the property manager? How, how long I had to wait for the key to come, uh, nobody answered my phone calls, the payment was painful, this and that and the other. So we need to do actually separate that entirely. What is actually related to the actual property in terms of complaints and what is related to the property manager and what he has under control as well? Yeah, you know... Um, I, I think before we run out of time, because I, I, I do think, you know, I was just sitting here thinking like there's going to be some people listening to this and it's going to be a little tough pill to swallow. Right. Which is we still have not been successful. And I think it's a fair um, it's a fair complaint that we haven't been successful in bringing hospitality the concept of hospitality into our hospitality industry and vacation rentals. And, but you can look at that two ways. You can throw your arms up and go, I don't know what more to do. Or you can, you can kind of dig in and go, because, you know, to an earlier point, these tailwinds are here and they're only going to last for so long. And so are we going to capitalize? And so, you know, when you talk to people, you know, one of the biggest ways I would say then to capitalize, because you're right, hotels, you know, hotels have not done great and they're going to struggle to do well for a while because they don't have a lot of people, um, you know, a lot of staffing. And so if you're going to capitalize, you've got to figure out how to bring back that core concept of hospitality into your company. And so, you know, maybe the best question to end on, because I don't want to run out of time without asking you this, Simon, then is, okay, so this is an honest in the mirror look, right? You know, I don't think you've pulled any punches and I, I've actually kind of enjoyed it because I, that we need to be honest with ourselves. So how do we do that? Is it training? Is it getting back to the basics? We talked about the guest book, but just all in all, getting back to the basics, okay. hiring the right people and training them or where, what do we do? I could do a very quick wrap up and and I'm more than happy to do that but you you've gave me the opportunity to make some advertising for hotel.school/vacationrental so we need education right we need to be trained have you ever asked an uber driver if he has a driver license have you ever asked a taxi driver if he had a driver license no nah. Have you ever asked an Airbnb host if he's licensed, he knows what the hell he's doing? No. So there we go. So we need education. We need education. You can go to the best hotel schools in the world to get educated. Carnell, Switzerland, we all have the best hotel schools. So we created one, hotel.school slash vacation rental. That's where you can get trained. Second point, and I think, you know, at the end of the day, my answer actually was very easy to you, Matt, uh, to summarize it. You want to be you. You want to treat your guests the way you want to be treated. End of story. Very good point. I'm a huge back, proponent. Oh, go I'm sorry. Go proponent. ahead, Ryan. I'm a huge proponent on education. Um, I think we we call ourselves professionals without being 
for the lack of a better term, a professional. Uh, you know, we see a huge influx of people coming in, buying up companies, and and they're from different walks of lives, electricians, plumbers, whatever it is, and they're professionals in their field. But what made them a professional in the vacation rental field? And it's such a complex uh, industry. We are handling, for small PMs, you're handling everything from your operations to marketing, to cleaning, to guests, to there's so many different facets. Um, so becoming a professional takes a lot of schooling in every single industry, except for ours. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, on that note, once again, you want to treat your guests the way you want to be treated, and we will be professional as ever. Yep. And that goes back to you know back to the first piece of advice I think you gave. So you know, start with stay in your homes. And, 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 and understand how, how you would want it to appear when you walked in and then when it rains and, you know, with the umbrella idea, but I mean, there's just so many things. Send you your staff with. to your homes, off shoulder season, send them to their house for a week, get, give them a vacation for free in their houses. You know, this is something we've done at Interhome. We, we have negotiated of each homeowner a free week of 52 weeks. And then we use those for promotional purposes and for staff purposes. So the contract, the owner contract with homeowners said, one week needs to be free for us as a property manager. And it's not obviously high season, obviously. Um, But the rest, shoulder season, yes, one week is available for free that can be used for press and staff purposes. Yeah. And that's how we actually learn everything. I mean, as software developers, Matt, we have put together products and that product has come together because we understood or we operated in some form or fashion inside of the in, in the industry. When I developed our guest experience application, it was out of need because I was a property manager delivering guest experience a certain way and wanted to deliver it a completely different way. Um, so understanding your business, being inside of your business, it's exactly the same thing. You want to operate optimize your home so you need to understand how your home is being presented what's inside of it and uh fix it it is and i would i I would tell you too you know but if you're going to do that you know one of the things i've learned is then they need to go and they need to they need to book it like a guest right they need to call in we do this at explory where if you want to go to you know go use some of our activities and stuff you know our own um our own employees you don't get a call in on the employee line or or email one of the destination guides you know and get the tickets no you got to do it you got to you got to call in and if you're on hold how long are you on hold and how's that make you feel right and like cuz if not we tend to you know we tend to kind of you know grease the skids and then you go, wait a minute, that's not what your guest experience. So like, I think it's some tough love here, but it's what we need to hear because that's the only way to your point earlier, Brian, to get better. And, um, you know, from someone who's been doing it and doing it at a high level um, for a long time, Simon, uh, we can't thank you enough for coming on and just and, and, and giving us your thoughts. I think it's been really insightful. We'll have you back on. We'll do it. Was a, a great a, pleasure. A session. It was a great pleasure. Stay well, stay safe. And uh, wishing everybody a fantastic season. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Simon. Have a great weekend. That's it for this week's episode of Guest X. Be sure to sign up for our email list at guestxpodcast.com. That's guest, the letter X, podcast.com. And follow us in your favorite podcast app so that you don't miss our next episodes. We are Brian Hamali and Matthew Loney signing off and reminding you to always create a guest experience worth talking about. See you soon.